Are you subscribed to OnlyPage yet? Visit OnlyPage.com for VIP access to all things, well, me. From golf instruction content, behind the scenes footage, and new content uploaded weekly, including member-only live streams, OnlyPage is your only way to connect with me off social media. Sign up today at OnlyPage.com. Again, that's OnlyPage.com. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Playing Around podcast. And the girls are back together. Your favorite duo of all time, Paige and Sam, Sam and Paige. You almost forgot our names there for a second. You stuttered. I was like trying to combine them and I was like, Pam? Pam? Sage. No. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we need like a cool, like cute little duo name. So maybe that is their assignment to all the listeners to find a cute duo name for us. But regardless, we are back together and that's what is most important. And, you know, we could spend so much time catching up and girl talk and all of that. But we have more important things, more pressing issues right now. John Rom rumored a strong, very strong rumor to be going to live. It has been reported by multiple accounts that he will receive $300 million as a signing fee plus 25% equity in his own live golf team if he signs. So reportedly that is around $600 million. This has been rumored for a while now. And even though no one has really come out and said anything one way or another, we had Jordan Spieth recently say that he has also heard these rumors. And I think that is something that's really interesting because when there were other rumors going around, Colin Morikawa, for example, he came out quite quickly and said, I'm not going to live, as well as a couple other players. So for it to be crickets on John Rom's side does seem like this is not a rumor and it is happening. And big if true. Big if true. I think my take on this I mean, I would be a little disappointed, but then I also look at it and I'm like, why would I be disappointed? Like no one's ever offered me $600 million and I've never had the opportunity to, you know, change my and my family and everybody I know's life with that kind of money. And I think what's interesting is that this is a hot take. I'm going to preface it with this. Is John Rom going to live the smartest thing he could do? He gets $600 million and then by 2025, they merge and he's just back on the PGA Tour with no repercussions. You take that all day. I'm surprised we're not seeing more players jump over to live. I think when the news of this merger was happening, I assumed a lot of the big name players were going to jump over to live. You take the money and then if it does happen, as we have been told that this is going to progress forward... Then you're back on the tour. I don't know if they would. There's no way they're going to have to give that money back. We have heard so many different rumors of what might happen. But I think one of the biggest reasons why John Rum made the jump was because of how successful Brooks Kepka has been under this format. We know that Brooks only cares about the majors. And John Rom has said that he cares about his legacy and PGA Tour wins plus the majors. But we really see him shine when he does play in the majors. And so to see Brooks Kepka play the events that he's wanted to play, make this type of money, and still make the Ryder Cup team, and still do well in the majors, why not? Why not make that jump? And there has been no loyalty between the PGA Tour 
with the players. And so it feels right now that it's every man for themselves. And with even Roy McRoy leaving the player advisory committee, there's just been a massive shakeup. And for one of the best players in the world of almost of all time, like John Rahm is going to go down as one of the greatest golfers of all time to then switch over to live. It's very, very interesting that this is developing. Well, as we're recording this on Tuesday at noon, it's not confirmed yet. I think the interesting thing that you said at the beginning is that it would be, you would think it would be just as easy for him to come out and tweet like, this is ridiculous, you know, like all the other players had when it when they didn't go to live. And I think, I don't know, I just find it interesting. A little drama that doesn't involve me never hurt anybody. <laughs> and... There has been so much drama around the PGA Tour and Liv for the last couple of years. One thing that I am really surprised about is that Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay are not also involved in these rumors. Xander Schauffele has committed to play in the 2024 Farmers Insurance Open, which confirms that he will be on tour in 2024. We haven't heard anything about Patrick Cantlay, but everything was kind of boiling over during the Ryder Cup when they wanted to be paid. And again, that was kind of going back into the rumor mill. But it seemed like, and Patrick Cantlay has been swirling around the live rumors for a while now. I feel like that if John Rahm is confirmed, I feel like Patrick Cantlay will be the next to go to live. Do you think that he'll go because he won't be like the craziest name who's gone recently? Like if Rahm goes, then everybody will be like, oh, whatever, Patrick Cantlay, like fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think John Rahm sets the tone. And if he makes the move, because he even has come out before um, a couple years ago. I don't know the timeline of things. It's so weird that, you know, I feel like a couple years ago, was this this year? Was this last year? I can't remember like when this happened, but he did sit down and say how much the tour means to him and how much his legacy means to him and that he wants to continue on this route. So for him to then make the jump, which again, makes sense considering everything that has happened. I feel like once he makes the jump, a lot of other players will will do the same. So I don't want to get us off on a tangent, but this is also kind of related with a conversation I had with a friend the other day. And I said, do you think that all of these problems that are arising on the PGA Tour, all of this like unrest with all the PGA Tour players. Is that only happening because there is now an existence of something else? What do you think? Because do you think we would have heard about all of this if Liv never existed? I think at some point, this has been brewing for a while. And I feel, and we've heard this, that Phil Mickelson was working behind the scenes for years to try to get fair compensation and there has been an uprising and that is why the live tour took place and why it started to develop because the players were unhappy with how the pga tour was progressing and how they felt like they were being paid unfairly so i do believe that there would have been some type of uprising in in some way. I don't know what it would look like. I don't know if it would have been prolonged to 10, 15, 20 years down the road. But right now, it's a very scary time within professional golf. And I feel like all of it is crumbling. And I'm surprised that the golf community is handling this as well as we are, considering that 
one of the biggest players is going to jump over to this other league. We don't know what is going on between Liv and the PGA Tour. Um, there is still some uncertainty with what is going to happen with even like the PGA Tour and players. And it, it just, it, it's chaos. It is pure chaos right now. And when you think of years ago, before we started having these discussions and talking about Liv, our biggest issue within golf was playing music on the golf course. And we would get so riled up about joggers and um, hoodies during tournaments. And now we're looking at potentially professional golf crumbling right before our eyes. Everything is changing. Everything is changing. I think it's sad to me. It makes it so hard to follow. Like, I feel like if I don't look at Twitter for two hours, I'm like lost. And I'm like, okay, this is just so, I'm sure that other sport corners of the internet, especially Twitter, are like that. But like, it's, it makes it not as appealing to me as a casual fan now. Is that, do you feel the same? A hundred percent. So there's reality and then there's perception. And within reality right now with golf, I believe that in some way, there are a lot of powerful people involved in the game of golf that it will always be successful. Perception is terrible right now. I feel that golf had all of this momentum and right now it looks that we professional golfers are crybabies and they're greedy and we are so disorganized and we don't know what's going on. And there's just all of these pieces in the news that are coming out. So we have live in the PGA tour. And now we have the rollback issue, which we're going to talk about later. And it's just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And when you're so engrossed in the golf community, the reality of it is it's, it's not that bad. We will figure this out and we will get through it. The perception of what golf is right now is garbage. It's absolutely garbage. And I think it is turning away casual golf fans, casual sports fans. And I don't see the game growing in a really positive way because of the perception of what professional golf is and what professional golfers look like. Again, not the reality, but that's the perception. If you just are looking at Twitter quite quickly and you're seeing these statements and clickbait articles, it's not good. It's not good. What a soapbox. I loved that. I love seeing you with some passion behind you. Um, let's move on. Since we said we were going to answer that really quick and now it's been 10 minutes, let's move on to the hero. Um, what did you think? Did you watch it on TV? I have some thoughts about Albany, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you go first. You know, I was really excited for Tiger to return. And I feel when we looked at past years, when Tiger has had a comeback, there had been a lot more buzz and excitement around it. And I felt this year that with his comeback, which is incredible and very exciting, and I was looking forward to it, that the buzz around it on social media was just not the same. And even throughout his rounds, it just didn't seem like people were following it as closely. And it wasn't as big of a news story that it was years ago. And I don't know if it's because Tiger has had so many comebacks lately that you know, it's just like, okay, well, another <laughs> you one. Know, same old, he's going to make another comeback. He's going to do his old tiger thing. And cause it wasn't as like fresh as, you know, 2019, like think about in 2019 when he made his comeback and he won the masters, it was massive. It was the biggest story in golf. That's what everyone was talking about. And I felt like there were so many other storylines and interest pieces with the hero. And it wasn't just the tiger show 24 seven. 
which as a Tiger fan, I mean, I always love when people, he like can create this excitement, but I also think it's a positive that people were more interested. I wouldn't say more interested, but as interested in how Scotty Scheffler was doing and Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris and um, Victor Hovland, like you and Jordan Spieth, I saw a ton of Jordan Spieth headlines. And so it was nice to see that people are excited about um I don't want to say the, the next crop, but it really is. You know, we were always worried about what was going to happen if Tiger did stop playing, which again is not something we have to deal with right now. But it didn't really seem like there was that much interest compared to Tiger of these other players. And I feel like that is changing, which makes me very hopeful that people are still interested in these other players, in these other storylines. I think that that might have been one because we hadn't had like an exciting golf tournament on TV in a while that actually included like some of the top 20 best players in the world, you could say. And then yeah. also Tiger kind of said he was playing like kind of last minute, like all things considered for it being like his tournament. I know he could get away with it, but it was kind of last minute. And I feel like you're right. The ability yeah. for all the hype to be there, like it just, the timing was weird. And then there's only 20 people. So you're only hearing things about 20 players as opposed to 120. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting event. Um, <laughs> so side note, my family surprised my dad with a trip to Albany this year. We have our one of our best family friends has a house down there. And we've been there a few times. It is beautiful. It is just like exactly what you think this prestige private country club would be like except in the Bahamas and it's lovely um the golf course what are we doing like it looks like they're playing on the moon it looks like it's basically okay I know you couldn't really tell on tv but the ocean is like right there how many ocean holes are there mm, yes zero zero ocean holes how did they mess that up like it looks, you're watching it on TV and it looks like desert golf. No offense to you, Arizona kid. Yeah, no, it does. No, desert golf is the worst. I, I am a massive hater of desert golf. And sometimes it's pretty. Like, you know, Scottsdale National, like places out there where it's very green and it's very pretty. This was just looked like dirt. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I have other choice words that I could say, but I'm, in, in order for me to maybe potentially go back one day, I'm going to keep those to myself. But... <laughs> I um, if it tells you anything, I don't really play golf much anymore anyway, but me and my family all went and played and I quit after eight holes. Do you know how hard it is to quit after eight holes of golf? Like very hard because you still have to drive past the ninth hole. Like you're going to drive, you're going to drive the ninth hole anyway. And I was like, mm, no, thanks. I'm good. And I went to the pool. That was very telling. It is. I mean, I, I probably would have only played nine anyway, but I fully said, fuck the ninth hole. And I was just like, I'm not doing it. So not my favorite course ever. It didn't look that great on TV as well. And if I, I wouldn't want it. I mean, I would want to play because obviously you get invited, but for there to be 20 people and no cut. And if you're playing bad, you just have to like finish it out. Will Zalatoris had a rough go at it. And everyone thought that, you know, maybe with a little bit of a break and having his comeback as well, that it would cure some of his putting yips. And you can't see us right now, but we're both making faces. Crickets, crickets it's worse than it was before. And he's young. And to have that much, have those demons in your head and in your putting stroke at that we age. Relate, just not for that reason. But yeah, not good. Not good. But someone who turned it around, Scotty Scheffler had a new putter in his bag. They lengthened it 
by one and a half inches, you know, big, big deal. One and a half inches makes a big, big difference, Sam. Yeah, you guys big listening difference. would know that. So that's a, that's a lot. It's a big and a bigger grip, bigger grip. <laughs> the jokes write themselves sometimes, you know, but he does look way more comfortable over the ball. Like it, I was, I was watching with it on mute and I was like, is that Scott, that's Scotty Scheffler? Like he doesn't look so before I felt like he kind of, I don't know, just looked uncomfortable and then I unmuted it. Ouch. Yeah. And then I unmuted it and they were talking about how it was um, an inch and a half longer, bigger grip. And I was like, wow, nice. And yeah, I mean, he played incredible. Meredith looking stunning as always at the end. Just my favorite. Just my favorite. Big Meredith fan. On the she, yeah. She literally has no idea who I am, but I'm her. She's my favorite wag. We love that. She is also one of my favorites. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers download the PointsBet app today and sign up in any of PointsBet's live states with code PAGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager and bet credits. Again, that's promo code PAGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet your move. Call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. This is really important. The fact that it's a small difference, an inch and a half with a bigger grip, but that was the difference between winning and losing. And that's why I'm such an advocate for going and get fit for new clubs because Something as small as that, loft and lie changes, it can completely transform your game to the point where you get so frustrated. I'm sure Scotty was just kicking himself last year because if he just made a couple more putts, he would have had one of the best years of all time. So that's why I always tell you guys to go get fit because your equipment is everything and it can completely change your game and change your mindset about how you approach the game. So make sure you head over to Club Champion and get fit if you wanna you wanna be a winner. You wanna be a winner. And only winners listen to this podcast. So if you're listening to this, go get fit at Club Champion. And actually, while we're talking about that, since this comes out on Wednesday, um, if you use code ONLYPAGE, all one word, and you are a member of ONLYPAGE, there is 50 Winners of a giveaway. Okay, you know, usually you do a giveaway, there's like one winner. 50 people are going to win some big prizes. That includes signed Maxim magazines, uh, free golf clubs, um, built shirts. We got a bunch of stuff in there. I know I'm like being annoying, but if you have been thinking about getting fit, now is the time. Steps off soapbox. Steps on to talking about Colin Morikawa getting penalized. Can you explain what happened there? Yes. So did you ever do aim point? Did you guys ever get trained in aim point? <laughs> a little bit. Was it like the bootleg training? No. Side note, I was sitting on my foot and then it fell asleep and then I moved it. And you know, when you have the pins and needles and it hurts? in your leg, and if you make any sudden movement, you feel like your leg is going to fall off. And I am sitting here trying not to make any movement right now until this shall pass. So while this is passing, talk about what happened with Colin Morikawa. That happens to me a lot on airplanes and it makes you like want to scream because it like kind of hurts 
you know, you'd be crossing your leg and then you get stuck and then you uncross your leg and you're like, oh my God, is my leg going to fall off? Yeah. I'm sorry that you're dealing with that, but keep dealing with it in silence. Um, so basically, if you didn't get trained for Aimpoint, um, there's these like levels and they're red and silver for the most part. And you can see tour players using them on the practice screens before they go out and play in a tournament. And that tells that that tells them how sloped any part of the green is. So it'll say in percentages, typically between one and 5%. 5% is like a huge slope. I know it doesn't sound like a lot in the you know variation of like zero to 90, but 5% is like a lot. And then when you see, by the way, this is like literally bootleg aim point that I'm explaining to you. But so they put it on the ground and it's like, okay, 2% slope. And you put it halfway between you and the hole. And then you see players go like this, which I know you can't see because um, this is a podcast. They put two fingers up and they like squint with one eye. That is because it said it was 2%. So whatever percent it is co corresponds with how many fingers you're holding up, whatever long story. Apparently, Colin Morikawa's caddy took that level out onto the golf course during a practice round and then wrote down whatever some slope was, like a, a significant slope on a green. He wrote it down in his yardage book. But notes can only come from traditional methods, quote unquote. So it can't involve any outside devices. I didn't know about that rule. We never used it on the golf course. We would only use it on the practice screen to like get acquainted with the slope. That's my understanding of it, basically. So how did, so Matt Fitzpatrick was rumored to report it. I'm confused on how, so were they playing the practice round together and he saw him write it in his book or was he looking over and saw it in his book? So my guess is the latter because if they played a practice round together, then it would have come out sooner than that, right? This was like the third day. It was it was in the tournament. Yeah. It was while the tournament was going. So I was confused there. But Colin Morikawa did not do himself any favors because when he was asked about the ruling, he said he was quite disappointed in the rules official because he showed up five minutes late to tell him the situation. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Really not helping the narrative of spoiled whiny babies. Just not helping it. Like, why would you? Why would he say that? It's five minutes. I know you shouldn't be late, but for that to be his response, come on, come on. Yeah, it was tough. I do think that rules violations told after the fact suck so bad. Like, I would have rather Matt Fitzpatrick had just said something to him on the golf course or said something on that hole that he re that he realized it. When you're like in the locker room after you're done playing, it's like so, it's so much bigger of a thing and it's so like embarrassing and like you can't even go make a birdie to like make up for it because you're in the fucking, like you're taking your shoes off. Like you can't, you know, so I don't know. I do feel for him in that case. Like if Matt, maybe Matt Fitzpatrick was like fighting himself and if he was going to say something or not, which, okay, pussy, like just say it or don't. Go say it. Interesting there. We'll finish up talking about the cure with Tiger just to wrap it up. So he said he is going to continue to play on the rest of the year. Prediction on how he's going to do. Okay. I don't understand how people on Twitter were saying his walk looks good. He looks so old. He looks so old and like so bloated and like, I don't know. I like Tiger daddy, 100%. But I'm, I don't know. 
He looked jacked. Okay, but I think he was only so jacked because that was all he could do. Like when his he had surgery, like he would just sit there and like pump weights, you know? <laughs> right? Interesting too, because Phil Mickelson made news for being oh, yeah. a Tiger hater. There was a report that Tiger looked, his head looked bloated and big, and that his cap was sitting real tight on his head, which someone insinuated, reportedly insinuated, that he was using steroids. And Phil Mickelson liked the tweet. Let this be a public service announcement. Your tweet likes are public. Our public knowledge. I don't know how people have not learned this yet. If you didn't know this, I'm sorry to you. You might just want to delete and start over because some people, I'll like, if I like don't really like someone, which is a lot of the time, I'll like go with, look at their likes and I'm like, mm, you know, ever, ever have a rainy day? I'm like bored. I could destroy their lives with this. Phil is so petty that I think he did it on purpose. I think he knew that people would be looking. Oh, yeah. And he did it on purpose. And I agree. I kind of love that. I love it. I think it's always funny. We got to talk about something that just, it's just it's so boring. And this is so boring that we've even had to talk about this. And so it was reported that in 2028 for pros and 2030. Which, can we stop there? Can we stop there? I'm so sick. I'm sick of seeing the US Open will be at this golf course in 2042. Bro, what? Like, I could be in a home by then. Why don't we worry about, like, that? what? I don't even know what I want for lunch. Like, literally. Yeah, I can't even think about... Nico just popped in. He's like, did you say lunch, bitch? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> But, so we've been arguing. So this goes into effect, this new rule change in 2028 for pros and 2030 for amateurs that they are going to roll the ball back. They haven't really said how much it seems five to 15% might be how it's going. The distance will be affected by the golf ball that you will lose five to 15%. <laughs> I, okay. <clears throat> I don't really understand what any of this means. Like if we're just gonna let let like let's level set this. I I wrote this rundown. I wrote all of this. I don't know what it means. So my understanding is, ball go too far. USGA RNA say ball go too far. Pros say, we swing fast. Ball go far. Amateurs say the same thing. They want to hit bombs. But now they're just saying like, no, we don't want the ball to go that far. Like I don't get. I don't get it. Well, and it's all about protecting the integrity of the golf courses. So what they're worried about is with the advancement of technology and with players getting stronger and faster and changing their own technique, that at some point they're going to have to keep moving the tee boxes farther back and we're just going to run out of room at some point. And so these, these golf courses that have been around for um, forever, centuries, decades, that they're not going to be competitive anymore. So you wouldn't be able to play at a Pebble Beach. You wouldn't be able to play. And we're seeing that a little bit at Cherry Hills, for example, because of the altitude. They have to make it so long, and there's just not enough land to make a longer golf course. But what I have an issue with, I'm okay with pros doing this 
and I know why it all comes down to money and logistics, but why do you have to impact the poor amateurs? Not one person I've ever played golf with that's an amateur golfer has said, man, you know what? Golf is too easy and I hit the ball too far. This is what gets people into the game. You want to see these pros do superhuman things and watching them hit it 370 is impressive to watch them hit seven irons 240. And I understand the other side of it, but if no one is interested in the game of golf and it goes back to the conversations of live in the PGA tour and reality and perception, this is such a bad look because no one is going to take the time to look at all of the research. No one's going to take the time to figure this out. They're going to see, I'm going to hit my driver and irons and everything 15 yards shorter. That's a massive, massive difference for a lot of people. And it's discouraging. I don't want to hit it shorter. I, I want to hit it farther. I want to continue to keep hitting it farther. I really hate this change. And what was sad to see is when this was announced on social media, 99% of the people did not want this change. And so we're making a change for such for 1% of the community of people who play golf. 1%. This is a change that no one has really asked for. No one has asked for. And so we continue to make these changes that people don't even want. You know, you know what I didn't want? I didn't want to have to drop the ball from my knee. I look stupid. I don't want to do that. I was fine dropping it from my shoulder. I didn't want that. Why did we have to change that? There are so many things within golf that I want to change. Why do I have to hit a ball out of a divot in a fairway? And now I'm going to have to do that 15 yards back. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I don't, I mean, and I think, I feel very ignorant on this topic, so I feel like I shouldn't even say anything. But I feel like if, for example, if I outdrive you by 10 yards at 260, if I hit a 260, you hit a 250, then it's just going to be the same if we hit it 240 and 230. Like, right? You know what I learned out of all of this? I don't know how to pronounce bifurcation. <laughs> bifurcation. 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 You're adding letters. You know what I mean? I've had to read that word in the last like couple days and in my brain goes to mush because I'm having to like reread it and like I'm like how do I pronounce this that's the only thing I've learned out of all of this is I don't know how to say well, that you're also adding letters into the word that don't exist so that's let's start there go ahead bifurcation 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 there you go <laughs> good job you know what though and let me just put this out there we never claim to be smart. We never said we never said that. Never said that. Do you want to improve your game faster and hit your driver longer? The good news is ShotScope can help you achieve your goals. ShotScope has products for every golfer, such as GPS watches, laser rangefinders, and shot tracking devices designed to lower scores and improve your golf by over four shots on average. 
I use the Pro LX Plus rangefinder on the course to get my distances. What I love most about ShotScope is tracking my game and reviewing my stats. The great news is your personalized stats are completely free with no yearly subscription. If I can use it, anyone can. Jump over to ShotScope.com today and find the perfect product for you. And remember to use my code PAGE at checkout. Um, what I, a point that I think is interesting is that other sports have done this, right? Baseball with different types of bats, the three-point line in NBA. Um, I mean, NFL did it with the kickoffs. So, like, while it's annoying, and I think we are in the corner of the internet that, like, everything is so loud and everyone's just bitching all the time and it's all you see, is it really, like, that big of a deal? No. Are we just like late to the game? I have a theory that maybe people are more mad or we're seeing people are more mad because more, quote unquote, average people play golf than like average people going and playing a legitimate football game. Yeah. So like maybe that's a difference. People just hate change and change is hard. And especially when it comes down to something like hitting it shorter within golf. Our egos are so tied into golf and especially how far you hit it. And I think a lot of people play because they just love hitting their driver and they love hitting their driver far. I don't think that this rules change is a big issue. I think it's fun for us to debate and talk about it. But truth of the matter is none of us have a seat at the table. So no matter what we say, it does not matter. And I think that is truly the problem and why a lot of people are upset is the core of the issue is that there are a lot of people who love this game and play this game. And there are changes that are being made that none of us wants. And again, they're making changes for the 1% and maybe they know a lot more than we know and they're doing things that later on we'll be like, oh yeah, they were right, we were wrong. But I wish there was some type of voting process to put these rules out there and for the majority of people who play golf to have the option if they want to change the golf ball or not. I have no issue if they do it in pro golf. And Rory made a good point is that even the, the, the clubs that they're using, the equipment that they're using, the golf ball that they're using are not the same as what we're using. And that's true. It's different equipment and it's different golf balls. And so if they- but wouldn't it be easier to change that? That's what I'm saying. So like if you just made the change for the pros, so here's here's what I think they should do. So in F1 every year, they give them rules and guidelines of their vehicle. And you have to build a new one every single year and whoever builds the best one usually has the biggest advantage. Why don't we do that in golf? Why don't we give these manufacturers rules every single year and you have to build the equipment to the specifications? Specifications. I was about to say, let's try that one again too. (laughs) Specifications. And then it's something that's new and interesting. I know they won't because, you know, money, but it would be something that would add a little bit of interest to the game. Here's where it gets interesting though. So it's the RNA and the USGA who is proposing this rule change. If Liv is saying we're not going to adapt and we are going to continue to play this the golf ball that we want to play, could be interesting. Could be interesting. That is interesting. I haven't seen anybody mention that. You know, one of the more boring topics we've ever had to discuss would be that one. So let's move on to... <laughs> yes, let's move on. To a more interesting debate. So... 
there is this troll Twitter account or X account, sorry, this troll X account, and they propose funny, wild uh, questions, takes just to get a reaction out of people. And one of them was if Paige played a match against Lexi Thompson, who would win? They were doing that to obviously rile people up. Lexi Thompson would clearly destroy me. So question is, Sam, how many shots? So we play the same tees, same tees. How many shots would Lexi have to give me for it to be a fair competition? Well, I want to know what you think. Four per side. I was going to say five per side because I would, I would give an extra one to the fact that she's probably not going to have a penalty shot. And like you might have one errant drive or like, you know. Well, and she wouldn't be nervous. I would be nervous. <laughs> She'd be like, who? <laughs> Why do I? <laughs> what are we doing? The funny thing is, is that I grow up, I grew up, we both grew up playing golf against Lexi Thompson and I never beat her. So I know for a fact that, <laughs> that it would not be competitive. We played junior golf against each other. And she always won. She won everything. Like she was a phenom. And it's not that I'm a bad player. And I think this is where people get this this confused because I, there's still a debate that people think that I can't break 80. And that's just not true. Like I'm, I'm a scratch golfer. I can shoot in the low 70s, sometimes in the high 60s. But I have those really bad rounds. The difference is, is that she's probably a plus eight, plus seven, plus eight handicap. So if you look at it that way, I would have to give her, or she would have, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> hold on. She would have to give me at least probably four side for this to be competitive. But I think what's different too, is you don't play as much traditional golf. Like no. she plays 18 holes. I'm, I assume like every day, speaking of us growing up together, I'm still friends with her on Facebook. Like I see all of her like little family pictures of like what she's doing on the weekend. It's so funny. I, in her first tournament ever, we were at Doral in Miami. I remember it like it was yesterday. And so I was like seven. So she had to have been like six or five and I beat her and she cried the whole time. She cried the whole time. She had the same little visor with the ladybug clip and the ladybug earrings. Like this girl has not changed like at all. And it is so funny. It is funny though, and my boyfriend still will ask where we're like watching TV. I'll be like, "Did you grow up playing against them?" I'm like, "Yeah, all these people that aren't like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, like we grew up playing with and against, and it's really cool. Like I think it's really, really cool. I don't know when the next wave, like the next major wave, is going to be, but I feel like we got really lucky with like the wave that we were in. We really did. That like 2011, 2013 high school graduation years were. It was Jordan Spieth, Justin. You got to think on the boys' side, too. Justin Thomas. Even some players that, like, we knew really well, like a Denny McCarthy. Yeah. Who, like, you can go down the list, and we know majority of them, and we played golf against a lot of them, which is really cool to see, but it's also, like, what happened to us. Like, we were in the mix. We peaked. We peaked in high school. I actually literally peaked my right after I graduated high school. Like, that summer, I peaked. You know, it was, like, half my life ago now, but we don't need to go into that. Um, let's get into our last topic of the pod. It is starting to get cold. Not here. It's like 90 in Florida. So don't worry about me. Um, 
Give us a few ways that you like to work on your golf game when it's cold outside. I have a few that are a little more untraditional, so I'm curious what you have to say first. I would say the first thing is finding a place to still practice and play. I think most people think that they live in a cold weather area that they just put the clubs away and then they bring them out when it gets nice. But there are a bunch of places that you can go to get better. I love going to X Golf and I love going there because you have access to all of this technology. You see the guys on tour and they're always looking at their numbers and you have access to that. And they're spending like $60,000, $80,000 on these devices and you have technology that will give you those numbers when you go to X Golf. And so I work on my swing path, I work on my club face, and I make these changes that are much easier to make, swing changes that are much easier to make when you're inside because you're not as worried about people judging you and looking at ball flight and hitting off the grass. You've got a few beers flowing, you're all yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you're able to actually make these changes now in a really safe, comfortable environment. And that's why I'm a huge fan of going to X Golf. And so go to places like that. Go to X Golf and work on your game. Spend time and, and treat them as range sessions. And it's also great too because you can bring your family and it's also really fun and it just gives you something to do also when it's so cold outside. You can still do really fun activities. Another one is I love my perfect practice putting mat. and Putting is one of the biggest, most important aspects of the game. And so now you're able to just grind and work on your putting stroke. And also to, to hear the ball go in the hole is always giving me a lot of confidence. And so you're able to work with your four to 12 footers, which is like your scoring zone with putting. And if you're able to feel confident with those, then um, you just score so much better. And the last one is work on your flexibility and your strength. I think this is a time where you can stretch and work on gaining more strength, which will help you swing a little bit faster and get in positions that you're maybe not able to get into. And so spending time on your body will help you play better golf. Those are great suggestions. Uh, I definitely want to echo the second one with putting inside. Um, for me, and this is like something that's always, it's always happened to me. If I take a certain time off, of golf. It could be a week, it could be three months. And I go back to the golf course and I'm like about to play and I look down at the grass. It like looks weird to me. Yeah. Like if I don't putt for an extended period of time, I feel like the golf swing for me, I have, I mean, we've been playing for so long. I'm not going to hit it perfect, but I can at least hit the golf ball with putting. Like I'll look down and I feel like the, it looks like one of those weird, like simulation kind of thing. Everything's like moving. And I'm like, feel, I'm like, Whoa, am I like drunk? And I don't drink on the golf course. So I know I'm not drunk. So, I'm, so I would say that's a big one. Like if you can stay consistent, at least like you said, hear the ball go in five, 10 footers. Like that is if for an amateur, for a 20 handicap, if you can improve within 10 feet, like you're going to shave strokes off your score so fast. Um, my second one, my second one would be in college. We did this a lot because in Arkansas, it would get to where we couldn't even drive to the golf course. It would get so cold. Um, we made baby clubs. So every year we would get a new baby club and it would be a full, so we'd take a full length club that like we never used. So like, let's, it was just like an old ping, ice, whatever iron. And then we'd chop it down like half the size, put a grip on it. And you can swing that anywhere. You can swing it if you have eight foot ceilings and you're still getting that same like rotational feeling, but you're not like hitting the TV and it's not costing you a thousand dollars every time you try to take a swing inside. 
I would recommend that, especially working on flexibility as well, like Paige said. I think that's such a huge thing. Even if you're not playing golf, we can all, especially since everybody nowadays works from home, I can't tell you how like tight my body is because I just sit here for eight hours a day. It's something that I feel like is really neglected and it's such a good time to work on it in the winter. You're watching a football game, you're watching a basketball game, just sit on the ground and stretch rather than sitting on the couch. Well, and also checking your positions. And I think having the baby club is perfect for that because a lot of people think that you only have to get better if you hit golf balls. And that's actually not true. Just getting that muscle memory and just continually to like hit the positions in front of a mirror is so important. And that's something that I actually need to improve on because I struggle with my takeaway. And my coach, Jonathan Yarwood, always says, just take some time, five, 10 minutes throughout the day, and just keep hitting those positions and doing it over and over and over again because of that muscle memory. And so when you go out on the golf course, it doesn't feel odd anymore. It starts to feel more consistent. So doing that is so important, but also sometimes take some time off. I feel like when I have been the most frustrated within my golf game, I just need to not touch my clubs. I need to not think about golf. I need to do anything other than anything golf related and taking some time really does help me improve and ignites like a a love and a passion again within golf. And so if you feel frustrated with your game, don't force it. Use this time right now that it's cold out to reset because you're going to get excited about wanting to practice and play again. And you don't want to dread going to improve your game. And if you're taking time off and you're taking true time off because it's cold outside, you're probably not good enough to get angry about your golf game anyway. Let's all remember that. A hundred percent. No offense, but also full offense. So. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know that we did. Like I said, the girls, the girls are back. The girls are back just in time for it to be the holidays. I do have an announcement though. I'm playing in the parent child next weekend with my parents and it's kind of nice because I get to play with both parents and like I need to decide which one I'm going to hit the better shots for. That's a whole other topic. But my parents asked me if I was going to practice beforehand. I'm thinking no, but I need to know what you guys think. It's like a prime 80 degrees and like not a cloud in the sky, but I'm like, mm, nah. It also gets dark so early. When am I going to go practice? I think, you know, what you should do. You should probably hit some putts inside. I should probably dig up my baby club. Dig up your baby club. I'm excited to hear how that goes on next week's episode. But thank you guys so much for listening in today. Don't forget to leave us a nice review, share the podcast, listen as always, download, you know, all that good stuff. And if you have any questions, let us know on the Playing Around Instagram accounts. Until next time, love you, bye. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio. Or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.